All right. I think I got it working. I had a couple of technical difficulties there. All right, let's do let's do a show, guys. Let's do an evening show. That is the wrong screen. There we go. Now I found it. Stop that. All right. There we go. I think I got it figured out. Good evening. This is uh, Just Human number 185. Got a bonus. I want to say it's not going to be a bonus hour. It's going to be over an hour for sure. Don't. There's no illusions about that. We have 51 pages to read of a lawsuit plus all the commentary I'm going to give on it. And uh, yeah, so we're going to pour through um, pour through half a pot of coffee that got ready and uh we're gonna we're gonna riff through this lawsuit that general flynn has filed um i do need to give some prefaces to it before i get in it uh one i haven't read the whole thing i've read some of it but i haven't read it so um it's gonna be i'm gonna be giving this is gonna be fresh for me i've read some of it like beginning and end but i haven't read through the whole thing i've scanned uh the thread that tracy beans did on it which is pretty good but i have a different take on it and that's kind of what I need to preface it with. Um, but before I get to that, um, one, I'm sorry I'm a little late. I had some technical difficulties. And I also ran up real quick to take my kids into bed, and, uh, which I succeeded with my oldest son. But my my soon-to-be four-year-old is already conked out. Like, I don't think he's – I think I think he's been in his room for like five minutes, and he's he's already dead asleep. I wore him out today. It's been a good day. Um, 
So um, also, I want to wish a happy birthday to Dwayne Cates and his brother Brian Cates. They are good friends and they are good researchers and I love their content. And I don't get to partake of Dwayne's chill flights as much as I used to in his streams is because it's um, we're just we don't always get to overlap and consume each other's stuff. But I do want to give a happy birthday to them. I love those guys. They are good people. I am I am happy to call them friends, and I feel blessed to know them. So happy birthday to Dwayne and to Brian. Cheers to you guys. All right. Uh, speaking of cheers, my wife brought me some, some fresh beer from a local microbrewery tonight, and I'm really excited about um, some of it I've had before. Uh, but there's an IPA she bought. Um, it's a rye IPA, which I've never had a rye IPA. So I'm really looking forward to trying something new. I love craft beer. Um, probably too much. Okay. Here is my, um, yes, Dwayne is my arch nemesis, but on his birthday, he is my friend. <laughs> um, so here is the, the, the preface I want to give this, um, I don't have a normie conservative incorporated typical take on the Flynn lawsuit and on many things, um, especially things that have to do with uh, swamp draining and people in Trump's orbit and the way uh, this stuff is fought, because I think that, um, well, I trust Trump and I do not believe for a moment that Trump went into Washington, D.C. blind. I don't think for a single moment that Trump went to Washington, D.C. and forgot how to hire people. I think he hired exactly who he wanted to hire. And I think he tasked them to do exactly the jobs that he wanted them to do. And when they were no longer useful or they had completed their task, he booted them. Um, I think that while not every single thing that happened was part of a plan. I think that they knew they were going into battle. I think the Trump administration knew that they were fighting the deep state and they were fighting the swamp and everything that developed from that point on were various contingencies and various battlefronts that opened up. And I think that these lawsuits and much of what happened, I think that Russiagate, Spygate, the Flynn, um, the Flynn prosecution and so many other things are, I see them as irregular warfare campaigns that opened up and that Trump and team addressed as such <clears throat> and fought them as such. That's right, Rose Thistle Art, moves and counter moves. Um, I would not tell you that I think that it was planned for Flynn to get prosecuted, for him to be ensnared in the way he was. But I think from the moment that he was, it was played according to, it was played out and it was dealt with according to a plan. And it was handled in a way that was meant to accomplish certain objectives. So I think it's true that Flynn was interdicted by this um, perjury trap and, and all the other all the stuff, all the stuff did. we'll get to it in this, in this, uh, this lawsuit. But I don't have I don't have this take that 
they walked in there blind. I will never, I will never be able to accept that somebody, I mean, maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. It's extremely difficult for me to accept that someone of the caliber of Michael Flynn quote unquote fell or was in tra- was trapped in the way that he's often portrayed to have been. Um, I don't believe that. And that doesn't mean that he wasn't, but I think that he saw, well, I think that he probably saw what was happening and that this is how that the deep state was going to come after him and come after Trump's administration and try to sink it from the very beginning. And then everything that happened from that point on was a regular warfare in order to achieve objectives that were achievable. Um, And I can make that point to you um, in a very significant way that I think a lot, I think something that's really lost in um, how things played out with Flynn and the prosecution. And then eventually um, the bar DOJ dropping it. And then the judge not wanting to drop it. Remember judge Sullivan, uh, kept it going for a while. What judge Sullivan did was he forced DOJ to prove that they had no case and they shouldn't have brought the case. And what that ended up doing was getting many, many more documents released. See, he could have Sullivan could have dismissed this thing and that would have been the end, the end of it. And the government never would have had to admit that they did anything wrong. But instead, the way it went down is Sullivan made DOJ prove that they should have never brought this prosecution. That's a lot better. Do you see how that's way that's far more significant than them just dismissing it and letting DOJ off guilt free? Sullivan made them prove. Now, I know Sullivan has been has been said to be such a bad guy. He was a corrupt judge, crooked. It's unfair how he treated Flynn. And I'm not going to tell you that it's fair, but I think it's it would also be unfair for the DOJ to be led off in that way. It got, they got so much more, so many more documents were brought forth and released because Sullivan made DOJ prove that they should not have ever brought that case against Flint. Um, another thing, and I know that not everybody um, entertains the idea of the drops and the Q team and all things like that. Okay. But for those of you who do, you know that so many things having to do with that were planned out that the drops told you what was going to happen. And it was timed and it did happen the way the drop said. So obviously there was some plan there, right? Obviously there was some sort, there was, there was mechanisms of control. There were mechanisms of influence. There were things that, they were able to do in order to time those things out the way they needed them to be right. That should make you, let's just say, um, a bit, a bit, a bit apprehensive by, uh, a bit apprehensive to, to automatically, um, take the, the normie conservative, conservative, conservative incorporated rage, um, against DOJ and FBI for how things played out. Um, so what I would say is that I don't think they planned for Flynn to go through what he went through, but I think once they realized that that was the road that they were going, that was the, see the deep state opened up an attack 
right? The deep state went for an attack on Flynn. And I think that he played it. Once that start happened, once that start happening, Flynn and others played into that and made sure they won that part of the campaign, those series of battles. So anyway, um, and I'm not trying to put white hats or black hats on anybody either. Um, I don't find that to be very useful. At times it is because it's very easy for us. Our brains like binary thinking. That's natural for us. Um, but I don't want to do that because people are more complicated than that. Okay. So now that I've gotten that out of the way and I've kind of set that, um, Sergeant Sparky over on Foxhole. Welcome. What is my shirt today? My shirt is the contortionist. Um, it's a contortionist shirt. They're a prog metal band that I love very much. And this shirt is a, uh, Alice in Wonderland type shirt. Um, I'm not going to hold it up on camera, but you're seeing the top of a girl's head and there's like a tornado coming down and the house getting lifted up. I love the contortionists. They're a beautiful, um, a beautiful band heavy as can be, but, um, also beautiful and elegant and, ah, they're just, they're just wonderful. Um, I think they're, I don't want to say successors, but I think that if there is a band that is, has gone through a progression and has a depth to their music um, that is similar to Tool, but of a of this um, a, a, a newer generation, I would say it's the Contortionist. Um, if I could see any one of the one of the concert pairs, I would most like to see concert pairings. I would most like to see is the Contortionist and Tool at the same show. But I don't think I don't think Tool will do that because Tool likes to uh, find. If they can, if their their billing allows it, they like to find lesser known acts and promote them, which I respect. Okay. Um, I, actually, I'll address that real quick. Monopulent, welcome. Uh, they say puts Pence in a dishonorable light, and I'm I think I would assume you're referring to Pence and and Flynn and what transpired there. Um, people often say that. They make they say things like, and I'm not saying you are, but they say things like Pence fired Flynn. The vice president can't fire the fire the national security advisor. Um, but I think I don't really buy the official story about any of that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I I don't buy the official story about how all that went down. Um and I don't it just does it doesn't it doesn't jive to me. It it really doesn't jive to me. Uh, so so anyway, there's there's some more details you can get into that, but I think the uh, the common story about how that all went down doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, so here we are with Flynn, and um, this is Flynn v. United States, and I think something that's going on, like Trump's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and her cohorts. I've said this before. I have a uh, a um a theory that I'm just trying to work out. I'm not actually proposing that this is, yes, this is what I think, but I'm pretty sure that what is going on here is um, Trump and Flynn now and others are enga still engaging in a regular warfare through lawfare. And they are using lawfare to force their enemy to submit documents and to fight these legal battles. And um, 
I don't actually have much faith that this one or Trump's will go that far in the near term. But I think that as Durham proceeds and other investigations proceed, that these things will either will feed into those and will also be fed by those. So like Trump has recently appealed his lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and her cohorts. That's the civil Rico case that he brought. Um, He's appealed it to the 11th circuit. I think that it may get struck down, but I don't think that's the end of it. I think that as more things develop in the, uh, the, the justice system, I think, and more than the specific, specifically criminal, I think that that will feed information and validate Trump's civil RICO case. And so these are early actions to advance these positions in the, in the lawfare sphere. And right now they may not go so far and they may even get denied, thrown out, whatever. But I think that that doesn't mean they won't be brought again or that there isn't some usefulness to them. Okay. So here's Flynn's. Now that I've said all of that, I didn't know I had that much to say. All right. Hopefully I have some left. Let me get this exactly how I want it. Okay. Hope you got your copy. Thank you for tuning in this evening. I can't believe I have, wow, I can't believe I have so many people here interested in watching me listen to me read something like this. All right, Michael T. Flynn versus the United States of America. On May 7th, 2020, the United States Department of Justice moved to dismiss the criminal information that had been filed on November 30th, 2017 against Plaintiff Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn, U.S. Army retired. Herein, General Flynn, charging him with one count of willfully and knowingly making false, fictitious, and fraudulent statements in a matter within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of the government of the United States. In this motion, the DOJ admitted through Timothy Shia, that the United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, that the government is not persuaded that the January 24th, 2017 interview was conducted with a legitimate investigative basis and therefore does not believe Mr. Flynn's statements were material, even if untrue. Moreover, we, we do not believe that the government can prove either the relevant false statements or their materi- materiality beyond a reasonable doubt. The DOJ therefore admitted that they should never have brought this prosecution against General Flynn because the interview that formed the basis of the criminal information should never have happened and even though it did happen. It was not a proper basis for the felony charge. Of particular relevance, the DOJ, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the Office of Special Counsel, that would be Mueller's, uh, personnel knew or should have known of the lack of basis for the investigation, interview, and charge before the criminal information was ever filed. Therefore, agents and agencies of the United States of America utilized their official positions and offices to initiate a baseless investigation, keep that investigation open, undertake illegitimate investigative steps and bring unjustified criminal charges to maliciously prosecute General Flynn. This lawsuit seeks accountability and damages against the United States for these wrongs committed against General Flynn through its agents and agencies. Specifically, General Flynn seeks relief herein for defendants' agents and agencies 
violations of his constitutional and other legal rights in connection with this wrongful and malicious prosecution and gross abuse of the process. Defendant improperly and politically targeted the defendant here is the DOJ. Uh, politically, t- well, the DOJ, FBI, and the agents of politically targeted General Flynn because of his lawful association with the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump and his position as National Security Advisor in the Trump administration. General Flynn is entitled to relief for defendants' unjustified and illegal actions, including but not limited to malicious prosecution and abuse of process. The official misconduct occurred in connection with the FBI investigations, Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor, both fraught with egregious legal and ethical misconduct emitted by DOJ, lacked investigative predicate, and part and parcel to the unfounded criminal information brought against General Flynn by the SCO on behalf of the DOJ. The FBI Crossfire investigations and the DOJ and SCO criminal case against General Flynn were brought without probable cause based on deficient information, and caused substantial and irreparable harm to General Flynn. Defendant's conduct, which began not later than August 2016 and continued until at least December 2020, constituted violations of General Flynn's constitutional and other rights. These devastating damages, not just to General Flynn personally, but to the reputation and public trust of the FBI, were forewarned. On the fateful day of January 24, 2017, when the FBI was to dispatch counterintelligence agents to interview General Flynn, Assistant Deputy Director E.W. Bill Priestap had second thoughts. He asked whether their goal was to get the truth or to get Flynn to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired. He ominously wrote, quote, protect our institution by not playing games. What followed has been the fall of a once venerable institution. The only way back to public trust and for justice to be done for General Flynn is to hold accountable the United States whose agents and agencies ignored their statutory and constitutional duties. I want to pause right here and make a comment. I think I recall, if I recall right, I could be wrong, but if I recall correctly, this evidence specifically right here of pre-stap and that memo that said, what is our goal here? Are we trying to prosecute him or get him fired? I believe that was revealed because Judge Sullivan made DOJ prove they shouldn't have brought the case. Don't hold me to that, but I think I remember that that is one of the documents that – um was produced to prove they shouldn't have brought the case. All right, parties. Plaintiff Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn, U.S. Army retired, is an individual who is a resident and citizen of the state of Florida. At the time of the events and allegations in this complaint, General Flynn was director of the Defense Intelligence Agency in the Obama administration and then the U.S. National Security Advisor in the Trump administration. Defendant United States of America includes all government agencies and departments responsible for the wrongful acts of its employees acting within the scope or office of their employment while investigating and bringing false allegations of General Flynn and is sued under 28 U.S.C. 1346 and 5 U.S.C. 702 to 703. Wrongdoers on behalf of the United States. The United States Department of Justice is an an executive department of the United States with its headquarters at blah, blah, blah. 
including Office of Inspector General, the OIG, references to any actions taken by DOJ or DOJ OIG in this complaint encompass their officials and appointees, contractors, et cetera, et cetera. Federal Bureau of Investigations is the investigative agency, blah, 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 blah. Special counsel is Mueller. Executive office, EOP, is the president, the executive office of the president. James Comey, my homie, was the director of the FBI from September 2013 to May 2017. Comey verified under penalty of perjury three false FISA warrant affidavits participated in and approved the initiation and continuation of the investigation into General Flynn, as well as the decision to send agents to interview General Flynn without notice to White House counsel and assisted in the decision to prosecute General Flynn without proper basis or probable cause. The President of the United States dismissed Mr. Comey on May 9th, 2017. Andrew McCabe, all roads lead to Andrew McCabe, was a deputy director of the FBI from February 2016 to January 2018. He was an original and primary participant in the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. McCabe was the FBI's lead signatory of the final FISA renewal affidavit in June 2017 and was a key participant in the initiation and continuation of the investigation into General Flynn, as well as the decision to send agents to interview General Flynn without notice to White House counsel. Got a rumble rant right here I want to grab because if I don't, I'll miss it. Joe Lang says, you are a great teacher for me and I have has taught me a lot about the legal system and the importance of digging for info in the actual legal documents. Appreciate you, brother. And happy birthday, Dwayne Cates. I don't know if that's to me or if that's to Dwayne, but uh, um, I would say the same about I would say the same about Brian and Dwayne. They've taught me a lot. Um, thanks, Joe. I'm learning, dude. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning with you guys. So I'm I'm learning. I'm learning here too. And thankful to have you guys along with me. Peter Strzok. <laughs> Peter Strzok was a career FBI agent until August 2018 and served as Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence. He supervised the investigation of General Flynn and was involved in the decision to start the investigation, continue the investigation, and initiate the prosecution of General Flynn. The FBI dismissed Strzok, stating, quote, your repeated selfishness has called into question the credibility of the entire FBI. Thanks, Joe. Much appreciated. 18. Lisa Page is a former attorney at the FBI. Joe Pienka III, during the relevant period, served as a supervisory special agent of Foreign Counterintelligence Squad at the FBI's Washington Field Office. Robert S. Mueller III, was the special counsel in charge of the special counsel's office responsible for the prosecution of General Flynn. He was also the special counsel appointed to lead the SCO's continuation of the Crossfire Hur- of Crossfire Hurricane and attendant investigations, including the Crossfire Razor investigation. He is responsible for overseeing and approving the filing of the criminal information against General Flynn, and he's also a member of the band. Brandon Van Grack 
was Senior Assistant Special Counsel in the SEO and is responsible for filing the criminal information against General Flynn. Jurisdiction and venue. This court has original jurisdiction over the matter, blah, blah, blah. The court has personal jurisdiction over the federal government, blah, blah, blah. Sovereign citizens going re over that. This court is the proper venue, blah, blah, blah. Sovereign citizens, hardest hit. All right. Factual background, history of General Flynn. In 1981, General Flynn was commissioned as a second lieutenant in military intelligence in the United States Army. From 81 until September 30th, 2014, General Flynn honorably served his country in a variety of posts. On April 17th, 2012, President Barack Obama nominated Flynn as a director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and the United States subsequently confirmed that appointment. In his role, Flynn was responsible for overseeing the DIA's mission. military intelligence to war fighters, defense policymakers and force planners in the department of defense and the United States broader intelligence community in support of United States military planning and operations and weapon system acquisition. Flynn served as DIA director until stepping down from that role on August 7th, 2014 and subsequently retiring from the army on September 30th, 2014. Admiral Mike Rogers, then president Obama's director of the NSA praised general Flynn as quote, the best intelligence officer of the past 20 years. Pause. Does anybody watching me read this? actually believe that the best intelligence officer of the past 20 years, according to Mike Rogers, fell for this trap. I don't. Following his retirement, General Flynn opened a successful international consulting business that he operated with his son, Michael Flynn Jr., In 2016, General Flynn began consulting for several of the Republican candidates for president. In or around February 2016, General Flynn became a foreign policy advisor to then-Republican presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. General Flynn continued to serve in his role through the election and on the transition team when it was announced that he would be incoming President Trump's selection for national security advisor. By the way, during this period... Um, before that happened during this period between 2014, 2016, uh, when Flynn made that trip and was meeting with some Russians or whatever, he reported back to the FBI, I believe it was. So he functioned as, um, an information source as an asset in that way, just throwing that out there in or around February, 2016, general Flynn became a, I'm saying that because see, they were aware they were aware of the of the function he was serving in in meeting with these these people with these foreigners and they would later try they would later try these swamp creatures would later try to construe that as him being paid off by these foreign entities and him being corrupt and all of these things but they knew what he was doing and he was reporting back to them all right In or around February 2016, General Flynn became a foreign policy advisor to then-Republican presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. General Flynn continued to serve in this role 
through the election and on the transition team when it was announced that he would be incoming President Trump's selection for NSA. Okay. FBI opens crossfire hurricane investigation of Donald J. Trump without legitimate investigative predicate. On July 31st, 2016, the FBI, under the direction and supervision of Comey, McCabe, Freestep, and Strzok, it's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, according to Conservative Incorporated. <laughs> it's like when it comes to DOJ and FBI, it's like these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse right here. Uh, all right. Anyway, sorry. Um, they opened a counterintelligence investigation named Operation Crossfire Hurricane, punitively concerning the Foreign Agent Registration Act, FARA, to determine whether individuals associated with the Trump campaign are witting and or coordinating with the government of Russia. I'm going to pause again to let you know that Trump wanted that. And tell you Trump and his team did everything they could to lean into every possible accusation that they were in cahoots with the Russians. I mean, Trump put Manafort in his campaign, who, by the way, uh, just got another fine. Um, yeah, Trump pardoned him for some other things, but he just got dinged again for uh, failing to register as a foreign agent. Um, Manafort, who got a million dollars from Oleg Deripaska. Um, Trump did everything he could to lean into the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax early on and invite it, invite those accusations. He wanted it. Why? Because he was the bait. He, he needed to be the bait, and he put he put bait in his campaign in order to activate the deep state to come after him because he turned it all around against them and is still doing so. If you're going to catch a swamp creature, you got to put some bait on a hook. According to the FBI, the basis for opening this investigation was a tip from Andrew Downer, an Australian diplomat who recalled a month's prior conversation with George Papadopoulos in a bar, as Downer recalled, Papadopoulos had said something about being told by someone else that Russia had information damaging to Hillary Clinton and would be willing to release it during the campaign to damage Clinton. Purportedly, based on this vague hearsay within hearsay, it's not just one hearsay, it's hearsay within hearsay. Yeah, that should, I thought it was Alexander Downer, not Andrew Downer. Is that a... Anyway, two months after the alleged barroom conversation, WikiLeaks released emails hacked from the Democratic National Committee. Don't get triggered by the word hacked, please. It showed the DNC's preference for Clinton over her primary opponent, Bernie Sanders. The FBI opened one of the most consequential investigations in its history. On or about August 15th, 2016, Strzok and Page exchanged text messages about then-Republican presidential candidate Donald J. Trump explicitly stating that they needed to have, an in, quote, an insurance policy in case he won the election. Subsequently, on or about August 16th, 2016, the FBI opened a sub-investigation sub specifically into General Flynn as part of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation named Crossfire Razor. The purported purpose of the investigation was to determine if General Flynn knowingly or unknowingly was, quote, involved in activity on behalf of the Russian Federation, which may constitute a federal crime or threat to national security. 
As discussed below, Crossfire Razor also had no legitimate investigative predicate and was politically and maliciously initiated as part of the, quote, insurance policy to derail and discredit then-presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. She was never supposed to lose. As part of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, the FBI and the DOJ worked to obtain search warrants from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, FISC, to investigate the actions of persons in the Trump presidential campaign. According to the DOJ OIG, the FBI was originally told they did not have probable cause to lawfully obtain a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant by DOJ FISA. In September 2016, the FBI and DOJ received information from Christopher Steele, a confidential human source, CHS, As the Crossfire Hurricane team knew, Steele had been paid by the National Democratic Party and or the Hillary Clinton Democratic presidential campaign to perform political opposition research and dig up dirt on any connections between the Trump Republican presidential campaign and Russia to damage President Trump's campaign and divert attention from the investigation of Clinton's extremely careless email practices while she was Secretary of State, pausing for comment. It was McCain and Paul Singer who paid for that first. Just want to throw that out there. It was No Name and Paul Singer who first started buying uh, dirt on Trump and his campaign and members of his campaign. The Uniparty. Is real. In addition to payment by Democratic political operatives, Steele was also paid for his work by the FBI. The FBI was so intent on obtaining a FISA warrant to enable it to spy on the Trump campaign that it did not fully and accurately disclose to the FIC, the FISA court, the evidence it had obtained as to whether any target of the probe was a Russian agent. To persuade the FISA court that there was probable cause to believe that the investigation had merit, defendants, agents, and agencies provided false or misleading information to the FISA court to obtain approval for the first FISA warrant. That is correct, and that is also why I'm not telling you that you got to love the FISA court judges, but I am telling you that the judges received false and misleading information in order to get those approvals, so I don't automatically hold these approvals against the FISA judges. The the government went to them with this information, says this is what we got. <clears throat> this is why we need a FISA warrant. Um, the blame is on the agents for doing that, not on the judges, or at least primarily on the agents. The FBI did not advise the FISA court that Steele had been paid by the National Democratic Party and or the Clinton presidential campaign to provide opposition research on Republican candidate Donald J. Trump and his campaign. The FBI also did not advise the FISA court that Steele's primary subsource contradicted critical information that Steele attributed to him. Instead, the FBI represented to the FISA court that the primary subsource was credible without disclosing to the FISA court that what the primary subsource had credibility re- credibly reported to the FBI was that the information still attributed to him was inaccurate and misleading. The four FISA warrants ultimately issued by the FISA court were obtained unlawfully because there was no probable cause to seek them. 
The warrants were issued only because of the FBI's omissions and misrepresentations to the FISA court. I want to pause. Thank you, John Durham. For uncovering so much of this and putting it on the record in the Danchenko trial. Not that we weren't aware of so much of this and there are other ways to get to such a uh, statement as this, but as this case um, proceeds, if it does proceed, there will be filings from John Durham's prosecution of Danchenko that will be, that can be relied on and that can be used in testimony from the agents and others who testified at Danchenko's trial that can be used to prove this right here. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend Durham and uh, his work because <clears throat> It's not just about putting Danchenko in jail for two to five years and a fine at best, at worst for him. It's about far more than that. The dog OIG, I think they meant DOJ. The DOJ OIG, that's interesting. The dog, okay. I mean, I know it's a misspelling, but misspellings matter. The DOJ OIG report released in, in December 2019, established numerous material failures by the FBI to follow the Woods procedures and other DOJ and FBI policies in obtaining the FISA warrants. Among other things, the FBI failed to verify the accuracy of the information included in the warrant applications. In many instances, the FBI either had no supporting documentation, misrepresented what the supporting documentation stated, or the supporting documentation showed that the factual assertion made in the application was incorrect. Moreover, Michael Gaeta, the career FBI agent assigned to handle Steele as a CHS, said that it was obvious Steele's work was politically motivated. Indeed, the DOJ temporarily held up an initial FISA warrant application because of the DOJ's concerns that Steele's bias may need to be disclosed to the FISA court. Ultimately, a footnote was added to the application, which stated, Source number one, Steele, who now owns a foreign business financial intelligence firm, that'd be Orbis, was approached by an, identi an identified U.S. person who indicated to Source 1 that a U.S.-based law firm had hired the identified U.S. person to conduct research regarding Candidate 1's ties to Russia. The identified U.S. person and Source Number 1 have a long-standing business relationship. The identified U.S. person hired Source Number 1 to conduct this research. The identified U.S. person never advised source number one to as to the motivation behind the research into candidate one's ties to Russia. The FBI speculates that the identified U.S. person was likely looking for information that could be used to discredit candidate one's campaign. This misleading and virtually incomprehensible footnote ignores the fact that Steele was being paid with Democrat National Committee funds, which its law firm Perkins Coie funneled to Steele through the political opposition research firm, Fusion GPS. The FBI knew that fully and accurately disclosing the motivations behind Steele's critical allegations on which it relied would undermine any finding of probable cause and would prevent it from obtaining a FISA warrant. 
the FBI intentionally left out this information in the initial application for a FISA warrant submitted by the DOJ to the FISA court on October 21st, 2016. The same misleading information was used in the three subsequent FISA warrant applications. Without the FISA warrants, the Crossfire Hurricane investigation would likely have been closed in its entirety, and the prosecution of General Flynn likely would never have occurred. The FBI opens Crossfire Razor investigation of General Flynn without legitimate investigative predicate. The Crossfire Razor investigation of General Flynn was a sub-investigation within the Crossfire Hurricane umbrella. Crossfire Razor stemmed from Crossfire Hurricane, contained many of the same personnel, and involved the same investigative strategy and issues. Leaving aside the lack of probable cause and other manifest deficiencies of the umbrella Crossfire Hurricane investigation, the Crossfire Razor sub-investigation itself lacked a legitimate investigative predicate. The FBI's reported justifications for opening Crossfire Razor were General Flynn's position as advisor to presidential candidate Donald J. Trump, open source reporting on General Flynn's, quote, ties to various state-affiliated entities of the Russian Federation, and the fact that General Flynn traveled to Moscow where he famously sat at a table with Vladimir Putin and then reported back to the FBI about it, and that General Flynn has a top-secret sensitive compartmented information, TSSCI, clearance. Based on the FBI's draft closing communication, these purported justifications in isolation and in combination reveal the baseless and malicious nature of the investigation. Moreover, they were in violation of the FBI's own policies, which prohibit the investigation of a U.S. citizen solely for the purpose of monitoring activities protected by the First Amendment or the lawful exercise of other rights secured by the Constitution or laws of the United States and require a factual investigative predicate. An FBI predicate, excuse me, an FBI predicated investigation may be opened if a criminal action or threat to national security has or may have occurred, will be occurring, or is occurring, or if a target is or may be the object of an attack, victimization, acquisition, or recruitment in connection with such such actions, and the predicated investigation would protect against such threat. To open a preliminary predicated investigation, there must be an allegation of a violation of the above. Based on publicly available information, the FBI's apparent predicate is incredible. General Flynn's status as an advisor to a presidential candidate is not a proper justification to investigate him as a Russian spy. What a sentence. (laughs) General Flynn is a widely respected three-star general, recognized as one of the United States' greatest intelligence officers. Amen. Unsurprisingly, he was sought out by and advised multiple presidential candidates prior to joining the Trump campaign. Again, as discussed, there was no credible information to investigate Donald Trump as a Russian spy. So affiliation with President Trump, a First Amendment protected activity, was not a legitimate basis for investigation. The supposed ties to state-affiliated entities apparently amounted to speaking fees that General Flynn received as part of his speaking circuit after leaving government service. As the FBI was well aware, speaking fees are common for high-level military personnel after they leave government. General Flynn appeared at over two dozen events after leaving government service, all arranged 
by his speaking bureau, not by him personally, and all were lawful exercises of his First Amendment rights. Among General Flynn's many speeches given at corporate events for many companies, the supposed ties apparently amounted to three appearances. One was at a U.S. based, <coughs> pardon me. One was at a U.S. based subsidiary of a Russian company. Another was at a U.S. company that happened to be owned by a Russian. The third was his appearance on a panel at a RT gala that be Russian ta- Russia time Russia Today, yeah Russia Today gala in Russia, where he sat at a table with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The fact that a notable retired general was invited to speak at these events was not unusual. The fees received were not unusual, and there was nothing specific about any of these appearances or speeches that was improper. These ties could be found with any number of retired high-level government officials and did not warrant investigating General Flynn as a Russian asset. General Flynn's attendance of the RT gala in in Russia is even less of a basis for investigation than already discussed. As the FBI was fully aware, yet conscientiously omitted from its closing memo, General Flynn briefed the U.S. government before and after the RT trip. There we go. That's what I was talking about earlier. Um, you can't, I mean, it's not like they weren't informed on this. Therefore, the Gen- General Flynn was acting as an information gathering agent for the United States, not for Russia. Boom, boom, boom. Every Man, I mean, just all day long, people need to drill that into their minds. Flynn was acting as an information gathering agent for the United States, not for Russia. The inclusion of this trip twice as a justification for investigating General Flynn as a Russian spy was facially incredible. Making it even more incredible is the fact, known to the FBI, that Vladimir Putin did not actually sit with General Flynn for an extended period of time, instead appearing briefly to address the attendees, posing for photos, and leaving. General Flynn's possession of a, of TSSCI clearance, one of the highest levels of security clearance, was a reason not to suspect General Flynn as a Russian spy. TSSCI clearance holders undergo rigorous background investigations and polygraph examinations. In other words, General Flynn's TSSCI clearance meant that he had already been through thoroughly vetted by the U.S. government and was subject to ongoing investigation and polygraph examination to maintain his clearance. The FBI was fully aware at the time of opening Crossfire Razor that General Flynn had undergone a complete background investigation in the spring of 2015, which included a full-scope polygraph examination. The FBI's inclusion of General Flynn's TSSCI clearance as a justification for investigating him was also facially incredible. Even in combination, these factors could not possibly have formed a proper factual predicate for investigation. It would require the FBI to fantasize that a three-star general had betrayed his country on the basis of a few thousand dollars in speaking fees, a bare fraction of what generals make on the speaking circuit, and his position as a foreign policy advisor to presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. This was incredible. The real reason for Crossfire Razor was part of the, quote, insurance policy discussed by FBI agents Strzok and Page the day before Crossfire Razor was opened. Yeah, Annie American, yeah, I'm liking, uh, I'm liking this complaint. 
I like the way it's written, although I do think I think they're using the word incredible too much. I would choose a different word, but I know what they mean, and it works. This is good stuff. This is from Banal. The, the law firm that he's filed this with is from Banal, um, who also handled his other investigations and other things. Good, good firm. FBI continues crossfire razor even after clearing General Flynn. Even ignoring the previously discussed problems with opening the crossfire hurricane and crossfire razor investigations and assuming for argument these that these investigations could not have been opened in good faith, the FBI wrongfully and maliciously chose to continue crossfire razor even after it had completed its investigation and cleared General Flynn of any improper ties to Russia. Crossfire Razor investigation was slated to be closed in December of 2016 because the investigation found no derogatory information on General Flynn. Importantly, the draft of the FBI memorandum closing the investigation found that no interview of General Flynn was required before the investigation was closed. This closing memorandum described the specific goal and predication for the investigation and laid out the numerous searches of holdings and investigative steps that had, at each step, yielded no derogatory information. The closing communication stated that the FBI's Crossfire Razor investigation had failed to produce any information upon which to predicate further investigative efforts regarding General Flynn, and it noted that no interview of General Flynn was warranted before concluding that the FBI was closing the investigation. The closing memorandum had not been implemented, however, as of January 4th, 2017. At some point before that date, but after the closing memo had already been drafted, FBI senior staff became aware of phone calls between General Flynn and Russian Ambassador Kislyak. In fact, the FBI had in their possession transcripts of the relevant calls, and they knew, or should have known, that the calls were legitimate. Knowing that the counterintelligence investigation of General Flynn was slated to be closed, FBI leadership considered opening a new criminal investigation based solely on a potential violation of the Logan Act, 18 U.S.C. 953. Discussions with the DOJ, however, resulted in the general view that the Logan Act was not viable, and the FBI never opened an independent FBI criminal investigation. This is unsurprising as the Logan Act is a relic of the John Adams administration, the dubious constitutionality of which has never been tested because it has never been successfully prosecuted. Therefore, FBI leadership determined that determined to continue its crossfire razor counterintelligence investigation of General Flynn on the sole basis of the Kislyak calls. On January 4th, 2017, FBI Deputy Assistant Director struck urgently reached out to another FBI agent, demanding to know if the Crossfire Razor investigation had been closed, as previously intended, and if not, ordering that it remain open. It had not been closed. Relieved, Strzok immediately relayed the news to Lisa Page, the special counsel to FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, remarking that, quote, our utter incompetence actually helps us, and calling it a serendipitously good development. The reason that Strzok was so relieved at this serendipitous incompetence is that he knew there was no legitimate grounds for opening another investigation into General Flynn. The FBI cannot simply investigate an incoming NSA because he communicated with a foreign leader. It is common during the transition to a new administration. Moreover, Strzok, McCabe, 
the FBI, and the EOP, that's the Executive Office of the President, were fully aware that Flynn's statements to Kislyak were perfectly appropriate diplomatic talks, which sought to, and apparently succeeded in, persuading Russia not to take drastic retaliatory steps against the United States in response to President Obama's recent expulsion of Russian diplomats. It is only because of defendants' agents and agents agencies' malicious, partisan, and unethical intent to investigate their political opponents generally and to destroy General Flynn specifically that senior officials and political leadership of the FBI, DOJ, and EOP continued the Crossfire Razor investigation. Strzok instructed agents to keep the investigation open at the behest of FBI leadership. Therefore, as of January 4th, 2017, the FBI kept open its counterintelligence investigation into General Flynn based solely on his calls with Kislyak. The only new information to arise since the FBI's determination to close the case, calls which they knew to be legitimate. Defendant's improper and malicious motivations for investigating and prosecuting General Flynn. On or about November 10th, 2016, only two days after the presidential election, President-elect Trump met with President Obama in the Oval Office. During this meeting, President Obama singled out General Flynn, and only General Flynn, warning President-elect Trump against appointing him to any high-level national security positions. President Obama made this statement despite himself having appointed General Flynn to the position of Director of Defense Intelligence Agency in 2012. President-elect Trump ignored that advice. On or about November 18, 2016, General Flynn accepted the once-in-a-lifetime honor of becoming the next National Security Advisor. The Obama White House held special contempt for General Flynn. As the Associated Press reported, quote, of all of Trump's choices, White House officials said it was the selection of Flynn that felt like the most devastating blow. NPR also reported, quote, Flynn clashed with President Barack Obama's White House about how the U.S. was waging its wars. General Flynn had publicly lambasted President Obama for not being aggressive enough with Iran, for lying to the American public, and for politicizing, politicizing intelligence. Top brass at the FBI also had reason to resent General Flynn. In 2012, a decorated counterintelligence agent at the FBI filed an EEOC complaint for sexual discrimination and retaliation, which implicated Andrew McCabe. General Flynn, who had worked closely with this agent, wrote a letter vouching for her in 2014 and volunteered to be a witness for her case. The FBI fought to prevent General Flynn from being a witness in this EEOC case. These issues, while they provide background on defendants' vindictiveness and would be grounds enough to establish the calculated malice directed at General Flynn in their wrongful prosecution and abusive process, are a sideshow to the bigger, truly despicable motivations at play in the U.S. government's targeting of a U.S. citizen and decorated three-star general for destruction and disgrace. General Flynn was the only senior member of President Trump's incoming administration not subject to Senate confirmation, with experience in the intelligence community, 
the same intelligence community that had colluded with Clinton campaign operatives to create the Russia collusion hoax. The same intelligence community that had been spying on the Trump campaign. The same intelligence community that had intended to continue its spurious crossfire hurricane investigation into President Trump's supposed Russian collusion. General Flynn, who already had a reputation as a hands-on disruptor at DIA, who had publicly excoriated the the politicization of the intelligence community, and who had made clear his desire to overhaul the national security structure and the interagency process, was a direct threat, not only to the self-interest of entrenched intelligence bureaucracies and the federal officials involved, but to exposing their prior and ongoing efforts to derail and discredit President Trump. Defendants' agents were acutely aware that General Flynn was one of few people in the Trump White House with the authority and the intelligence background to uncover and expose the crossfire hurricane debacle. The EOP, under President Obama, was so distraught by General Flynn's selection as NSA that they calculatingly, and with actual malice and corrupt motives, conspired to and did use the tremendous power of their positions in the executive office of the president and their influence over the DOJ and FBI to investigate, entrap, and prosecute General Flynn. Defendants' agents executed these actions knowingly, purposefully, and in complete disregard of General Flynn's constitutional and other legal rights. To do this, the named FBI employees first had to prevent the closure of the Crossfire Razor investigation, which had already determined that General Flynn had no ties to Russia. As discussed on January 4th, 2017, the FBI, in coordination with the EOP, chose to extend the Crossfire Razor investigation on the pretext of the legitimate Kislyak calls. The next day, January 5th, 2017, FBI Director Comey and FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe met in the Oval Office with President Obama, Vice President Biden, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, then the Acting Attorney General, CIA Director John Brennan, ODNI Director James Clapper, and the National Security Advisor Susan Rice. During this meeting, the participants agreed to try to damage incoming President Trump and his new administration, including by trying to prosecute General Flynn, to force General Flynn to resign as NSA, and cripple Trump's ability to implement national security and foreign affairs policy changes and potentially turn General Flynn against President Trump. They also agreed to withhold this agreement from President-elect Trump's transition team. Withholding information about the Crossfire Hurricane investigation from the incoming administration was a paramount goal, as documented by Susan Rice in her infamous CYA memo about this meeting, in which she wrote to herself on January 20th, 2017, quote, President Obama said he wants to be sure that, as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to ascertain if there is any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. Immediately after that meeting, President Obama asked that Sally Yates and James Comey stay back for a private meeting in which Obama and Comey spoke knowingly about the Flynn-Kislyak calls, discussed the Logan Act, and indicated the president's special interest in General Flynn. Defendant plans perjury trap for General Flynn. 
between the Oval Office meeting on January 5th, 2017 and January 24th, 2017, Comey and Yates met to discuss the General Flynn matter. And thereafter, Comey and McCabe discussed and developed a specific plan to interview Flynn about alleged Russian influence. On or about January 10th, 2017, another Oval Office meeting took place involving a discussion of the Crossfire Razor investigation and General Flynn. According to notes taken by Strzok, during this meeting, the group agreed that General Flynn's actions were legit, a common shorthand for legitimate. <laughs> At or around that time, an unnamed senior U.S. government official feloniously leaked details about General Flynn's phone call with Kislyak to the Washington Post, which published about it on January 12, 2017. Oh, we have a footnote there. Is there anything in there? David Ignatius. Yes, David Ignatius. In a follow-up piece, the Washington Post reported that nine officials, quote, who were in senior positions at multiple agencies spoke anonymously and illegally about the Kislyak calls. Information about the calls was also leaked to the New York Times, whose reporting confirmed that the FBI and the Obama administration were aware at the time of the illegitimate nature of the communications. Obama officials asked the FBI if a quid pro quo had been discussed on the call, and the answer came back no, according to one of the officials, who, like others, asked not to be named discussing delicate communications. The topic of the sanctions came up, they were told, but there was no deal. That is from Peter Baker and Flynn's downfall. Despite the consensus that General Flynn's actions, including the Kislyak calls, were legitimate, Vice President Biden suggested a potential prosecution of General Flynn under the Logan Act. The DOJ, however, indicated in subsequent meetings that such a prosecution would likely would be unlikely to succeed, especially since no prosecution has ever occurred pursuant to the Logan Act. This, however, did not stop the high-level leakers from suggesting this possibility to the media, who breathlessly repeated the potential for a Logan Act violation. Importantly, the FBI would later use these leaks and the media's discussion of the Logan Act as a justification for not putting the White House or DOJ on notice prior to sending agents to interview General Flynn. FBI Director Comey decided that the FBI would not notify the incoming Trump administration of the actual contents of the Flynn-Kislyak communications despite possessing the transcripts. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates and other senior DOJ officials, however, were of the opposite opinion and believed that the incoming administration should be notified. Comey's reasoning for not disclosing the information to the Trump administration changed several times to the chagrin of DOJ leadership. The Deputy Attorney General, Director of National Intelligence, and the Director of the Central Intelligence Agency all agreed that the FBI should notified the Trump administration of what had actually been said on the calls. In the interim, Strzok and Page sought advice from an FBI attorney regarding a potential interview of General Flynn. On January 22, 2017, an FBI attorney emailed Strzok and Page to state that if the FBI would usually tell the White House about the interview of someone such as General Flynn, then the FBI should do what the FBI would normally do. Per the internal discussions of the FBI leadership up to the interview of General Flynn, however, 
They believe that any notification to the White House or DOJ leadership about the interview or its purpose would surely result in a denial of permission to conduct the interview. At the very least, it would result in General Flynn being accompanied by White House counsel. In either case, their goal would be thwarted. The apparent goal was to ambush General Flynn with a perjury trap to remove him as an obstacle to the continuing crossfire hurricane investigation and as a threat to their own jobs and the entrenched intelligence apparatus. At an FBI meeting held on the morning of January 24, 2017, FBI Assistant Director Bill Priestap expressed second thoughts about the perjury trap. In his handwritten and heavily redacted notes from that day, he describes having previously agreed with the plan to not show General Flynn, redacted but likely the transcript, transcripts of the Kislyak calls. He asked, however, the F, whether the FBI's goals in this case is to get the truth or to get Flynn to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired. As a question, are we trying to get Flynn to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired? Priestap recognized the grave danger these kinds of games, as he diplomatically calls them, posed to the credibility of the FBI as an institution. His warnings were ignored. By apparent happenstance, Sally Yates attempted to contact Comey that same day, January 24th, 2017, to demand that the FBI notify the White House of the Kislyak communications. Perhaps unsurprisingly, she was unable to get through. Comey waited until Strzok and Pienka were already en route to the White House before calling Yates, calling Yates back to tell her that it was too late advising her that FBI agents were already on their way to interview General Flynn. Yates was flabbergasted and dumbfounded by Comey's actions. And other DOJ leadership hit the roof upon hearing of this development, as any interview of General Flynn should have been coordinated with at least the DOJ and the White House Counsel's Office. Comey had determined that the FBI would interview General Flynn without notifying anyone at either the DOJ or the White House Counsel's Office. During a December 2018 publicly televised interview with MSNBC and NBC News analyst Nicole Wallace, Comey glibly admitted, indeed bragged, that sending FBI agents to the White House to interrogate a senior official without notice was something he probably wouldn't have done or gotten away with in a more organized administration. Comey admitted that he took an improper course of conduct in continuing the investigation and allowing the interview of General Flynn, and that he got away with it because it was, quote, early enough in the administration that he could take advantage of the disorder. For this interview of General Flynn, there would have been no criminal charges brought against General Flynn. Sorry, but for this interview, there would have been no criminal charges brought. That's not the drink I want. I need water. I agree, Bertorgo. The word flabbergasted is a great word. I love that word. On January 24th, 2017. Oh, hey, Brian. Happy birthday to you. Draw and strike. Happy birthday to you, my friend. On January 24th, 2017, Deputy FBI Director McCabe called General Flynn requesting a meeting to which Flynn agreed, not knowing he was being set up. 
During this call, McCabe advised that if General Flynn wished to have anyone else at the meeting, including the White House counsel, the FBI would have to elevate the issue to the DOJ. Such a comment was designed by the deputy FBI director to get the target of an investigation to speak with federal agents without any counsel present. McCabe further downplayed the need for counsel by telling General Flynn that this was an informal meeting just to put the Kislyak calls being discussed in the press to bed. Later that same day, FBI counterintelligence agents Peter Strzok and Joe Pienka interviewed General Flynn at his office in the White House. Neither agent informed General Flynn prior to or during this meeting that General Flynn's statements could and likely would be used against him in a criminal prosecution. Neither of them informed General Flynn that he was the subject of an investigation. The agents acted casual and friendly toward General Flynn, never putting him on notice of the dire consequences of any misstatement he might make, however innocent or immaterial. During this interview, FBI agents Strzok and Pienka were attempting to trap General Flynn in a misstatement or omission so that they could charge him with a false statement violation of 18 U.S.C. 1001. This malicious intent continued throughout the FBI's investigation and the subsequent investigation and prosecution by the special counsel's office. <clears throat> Despite this intent, neither of the FBI agents warned General Flynn before the beginning of the interview about the possible penalties involved with misstatements, omissions, or lies to an FBI agent. Reports indicate that whether to, whether to give General Flynn such a warning was specifically discussed amongst FBI leadership prior to General Flynn's interview, but FBI leadership did not want to tip off General Flynn to the true purpose of the interview. They wanted him fully at ease and without legal counsel. The intentional decisions by FBI leadership to manipulate General Flynn to have the interview without counsel and not to warn him of the potential penalties emphasize the malicious nature of the improperly continued Crossfire Razor investigation into General Flynn. Additionally, prior to the interview, the FBI engaged in internal discussions about whether to show General Flynn the transcripts of his calls with Kislyak. Because the FBI already had these transcripts, General Flynn's answers during an interview would have shed no light on whether and what he communicated with Kislyak. Due at least in part to these highly unusual and deliberately irregular procedures, the DOJ ultimately admitted, as indeed it had no choice to, but to admit, that it could not explain much less prove to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt how the allegedly false interview statements by General Flynn could be material to an investigation that, as explained above, was continued with the purpose of eliciting those false statements and to thereby entrap General Flynn. Because the FBI possessed the transcripts, the only explanation for not providing them to General Flynn during the interview, as was standard protocol, was that the purpose of the interview was not to get to the truth, which they knew, but to trap General Flynn in a misstatement or omission, as indicated by Bill Priestap that very morning. General Flynn's statements could not have conceivably influenced an investigation that no longer had either a legitimate counterintelligence or criminal purpose. Moreover, even if they could be material, the DOJ did not believe it could prove that General Flynn knowingly and willfully made a false statement beyond a reasonable doubt. Tellingly, 
when asked by the National Security Division of the DOJ whether the FBI would like to conduct a follow-up interview with General Flynn, Deputy Director McCabe emphatically said no. Sally Yates was apparently surprised by this, but the reason was obvious. McCabe did not want a follow-up interview because the mission had been accomplished. General Flynn had been neutralized. It would no longer be an obstacle to continuing the crossfire hurricane investigation into President Trump. The White House was briefed on the supposed misstatements made by General Flynn to the FBI, and as a result, on February 13, 2017, General Flynn was forced to resign from his position as NSA. That, however, was only the beginning of the torment in store for General Flynn at the hands of defendants' agents and agencies in their crusade to destroy President Trump and his allies. Defendant initiates prosecution of General Flynn without any legitimate legal or factual basis. Following the spurious January 24th, 2017 interview, Strzok and Pienka took three weeks to submit their notes. FBI regulations, however, require notes about interviews to be submitted five days after the interview. In the interim, Strzok consulted with FBI lawyer Lisa Page, with whom he was having an extramarital affair at the time, about how to best draft the notes of the Flynn interview. FBI regulations again, however, suggest that the notes be submitted by the agent that did the interview based on their recollection and notes, not outside sources. Despite the improper delay and multiple revisions, the notes submitted by Strzok and Pienka did not support a prosecution of General Flynn. The notes indicated that General Flynn was unguarded in the interview and clearly viewed the agents as allies. The notes also indicated that General Flynn exhibited a very sure demeanor and did not give any indicators of deception. Both of the agents had the impression at the time that Flynn was not lying or did not think he was lying. After reviewing the case notes, FBI Director Comey even stated that there was only an argument to be made that General Flynn lied. Despite the obvious knowledge that the interview was not material to the Crossfire Razor investigation's purpose, and that the interviewing agents and Comey believed that General Flynn either did not lie or only may have lied and at that unintentionally, the FBI used these doctored notes submitted for past their deadline, far past their deadline, to prosecute Flynn, not for any real underlying misconduct, but for allegedly lying to the FBI during the interview that the FBI completely botched according to the DOJ's own regulations. On May 17, 2017, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein appointed Robert S. Mueller to serve as special counsel to oversee the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. This resulted in the creation of the SEO within the DOJ. The SEO assumed the investigation and took over the DOJ's role in working with the FBI investigative teams assigned to the relevant investigations. Strzok and Page investigate General Flynn as a way to stop Trump and in an attempt to get false testimony from General Flynn that President-elect Trump was a Russian asset, and they continued their scheme when the investigation moved from the DOJ more broadly to the SCO. As part of their efforts to stop Trump, FBI agents, including Pienka, made false statements to the FISA court during the investigation into General Flynn. 
On November 30th, 2017, the FBI filed a criminal information against General Flynn, officially initiating a false, reckless, abusive, and malicious felony criminal prosecution against him. The information improperly charged General Flynn with one count of making false statements in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1001-A2. The SEO falsely asserted in the information that General Flynn had intentionally omitted and denied speaking with Russian Ambassador Kislyak during an interview with FBI agent Strzok and Pienka on January 24, 2017. The SEO initiated the prosecution despite knowing General Flynn had not made false statements, that even if he did make false statements, they were unintentional and were not material to the Crossfire Razor investigation. SEO had no reasonable belief that General Flynn had committed the criminal offense and therefore had no probable cause to bring this information. At the time, the DOJ, by the SEO, through Senior Assistant Special Counsel Brandon Van Grack, filed the information. It was aware that Strzok and Pienka wrote in their interview notes. They did not believe General Flynn had lied during their January 24, 2017 interrogation. The DOJ was further aware that the FBI only kept the Crossfire Razor investigation into General Flynn open to investigate the Flynn Kislyak calls, which were not within their scope of the Crossfire Razor investigation, and there was no independent criminal investigation opened into the Flynn Kislyak calls. Therefore, at the time the SCO filed the information, the SCO was in possession of Strzok's notes that described the January 10th, 2017 meeting. The meeting in the Oval Office, wherein President Obama, Vice President Biden, Comey, and others described General Flynn's conversation with Kislyak as legit. Legit in this context meant that General Flynn's conduct was legitimate and therefore not criminal or improper. It was this meeting where the DOJ disregarded Vice President Biden's suggestion to use the Logan Act. Additionally, any charge number, any charge under 18 U.S.C. 1001-A2 must be a false statement that is material to the underlying investigation or proceeding before a tribunal. As previously discussed, even if General Flynn's statements could qualify as false, they were not material. At the time the information was filed, the SCO knew that General Flynn was innocent of any illegal contacts with any foreign power or any material misstatements to the FBI. Still, it commenced the prosecution of General Flynn. The DOJ, through its officers and employees in the SEO, with the assistance of the other named wrongdoers, had malicious intent when it unlawfully investigated and prosecuted General Flynn despite knowing his legal innocence of the charges brought. The named wrongdoers were all aware of the fact that General Flynn was not a Russian agent and there was no basis for any further investigation or initiating any prosecution. Nevertheless, the individual federal employees and officials decided to prosecute General Flynn anyway, destroy General Flynn professionally, block General Flynn from holding a position of influence in the government, and thwart President Trump's agenda. Strzok and Page had a stated motive to stop Trump, at least as early as August 15th, 2016. And they endeavored through their work in the Crossfire Razor investigation and subsequent SCO prosecution of General Flynn to advance that purpose. Page participated and assisted Strzok in his partisan malicious attacks 
or actions. Well, attacks. <laughs> Either one works. They conceived of the initial investigation into General Flynn as an insurance policy should presidential candidate Hillary Clinton lose the 2016 election. When Clinton lost the election, Strzok put this insurance policy into motion. The named wrongdoers knew that General Flynn's calls with Kislyak were legit, and instead of closing the Crossfire Razor investigation, they tried to think of new, even unprecedented ways to investigate and prosecute General Flynn. Strzok and Pienka continued to participate in the investigation and prosecution of General Flynn despite having certified that they did not believe General Flynn intentionally lied. Intent is a necessary element of a Section 1001 conviction. During the improper prosecution of General Flynn, the SCO willfully failed to disclose exculpatory evidence in violation of its constitutional obligations under Brady v. Maryland. The exculpatory evidence the SCO failed to disclose included, but is not limited to, the notes from Strzok and Pienka showing the FBI believed Flynn did not lie during his January 24, 2017 interview, and the notes describing the Oval Office meeting wherein Comey stated General Flynn's calls with Kislyak were legit and, were, and wherein Pre Vice President Biden suggested using the Logan Act as a basis for prosecuting General Flynn. The SEO and one of its lead prosecutors, Van Grack, possessed these documents and actually prosecuted General Flynn. Further, Van Grack refused to disclose this plainly and fully exculpatory material in violation of his Brady obligations. Each of these examples are plainly exculpatory, either because they directly tend to show General Flynn's innocence of the 1001 violation, or because they indirectly tend to show his innocence by revealing the nefarious motivation behind the prosecution. The SEO prosecuted General Flynn despite knowing his factual and legal innocence and the abuse of process engaged in during the investigation and prosecution of General Flynn. The FBI continued investigating General Flynn even when it knew that General Flynn was not a Russian agent. After General Flynn was deliberately, knowingly, maliciously, and falsely charged with the 1001 criminal violation, the United States District Court for the District of Columbia severely limited General Flynn's liberty to travel freely within and without the United States. The district court imposed travel restrictions on General Flynn against his will and within the boundaries fixed by the United States and even to boundaries within the United States. As a result of General Flynn's unlawful prosecution and detention, General Flynn was unable to travel freely inside and outside of the United States. Not only was his reputation permanently stained by defendants' unlawful investigation and prosecution, but he was unable to carry on his international consulting business personally. For the above reasons, the restrictions severely curtailed General Flynn's movements were unlawful. Just as the prosecution that created General Flynn's movement restrictions was unlawful. Further, the SEO and the FBI misled the FISA court proceeded with an investigation into General Flynn's supposed Russian ties when they knew he had none, and threatened his son, Michael Flynn Jr., with prosecution unless he pled guilty to a 1001 offense. All of these facts and others demonstrate that defendant acted with malice in investigating and prosecuting General Flynn. As discussed above, on May 7, 2020, the DOJ, through United States Attorney O'Shea, moved to dismiss the prosecution against General Flynn. In doing so, 
The DOJ stated that the government does not have a substantial federal interest in penalizing a defendant for a crime that is not satisfied, uh, it is not satisfied occurred, or that it does not believe it can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. The DOJ motion to dismiss laid out in great detail the underlying facts and legal circumstances surrounding the unjustified and unsupported prosecution of General Flynn and why the case should never have been brought. Proof of a false statement to federal investigators under 1001A2 requires more than a lie. And the FBI and the DOJ were not even sure that General Flynn had lied when the prosecution was brought. It also requires demonstrating that such a statement was material to the underlying investigation. Section 1001 prohibits, quote, knowingly and willfully making any materially false, fictitious, or fraudulent statement or representation in a matter within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of the government of the United States. Based on an extensive review of its investigation and prosecution of General Flynn, the DOJ determined that continuing the prosecution of General Flynn would not serve the interest of justice. Under the principles of federal prosecution, the government should not prosecute an individual unless the attorney for the government believes that the admissible evidence is sufficient to obtain and sustain a guilty verdict by an unbiased trier of fact. In General Flynn's prosecution, the evidence showed his statements, regardless of whether any were false, were not material to any viable counterintelligence investigation or any investigation initiated by the FBI. The FBI itself recognized that it lacked any sufficient grounds to sustain its initial counterintelligence investigation when it sought to close that very investigation without an interview of General Flynn. With its counterintelligence investigation no longer justifiably predicated, the communications between General Flynn and Kislyak, the FBI's sole basis for resurrecting the investigation on January 4, 2017, did not warrant continuing the existing counterintelligence investigation. Reopening or redirecting the existing counterintelligence investigation or opening a new criminal investigation. Notably, the FBI considered, but did not open, a criminal investigation based on General Flynn's calls with Kislyak. Indeed, the FBI never attempted to, uh, never even attempted to open a new investigation of General Flynn on these grounds. In dismissing its prosecution against General Flynn, the DOJ determined that General Flynn's calls with the Russian ambassador, the only new information to arise after the FBI's decision to close out its investigation, did not constitute a sufficient articulable factual basis to reopen any counterintelligence investigation or open a criminal investigation into General Flynn. In addition to the FBI's changing justifications for the FBI's ongoing probe of General Flynn, the FBI's irregular procedure that preceded his interview also proves the FBI was eager to interview General Flynn irrespective of any legitimate investigative purpose. It is undisputed the FBI agents breached standard protocol of arranging interviews of White House personnel through the White House Counsel's Office and did not notify DOJ leadership or White House personnel about the interview in advance. In addition, Deputy FBI Director McCabe affirmatively and effectively discouraged General Flynn from procuring the assistance of White House or personal counsel during the interview, or even notifying the White House Counsel's Office about the interview at all. The interviewing agents also failed to issue the standard 1001 admonitions about the consequences of false statements to investigators. 
nor did the FBI even notify acting attorney general, acting attorney general Yates that the interview was happening until the interview agents were already en route to general Flynn. Even worse, before the FBI's interviewing agents even scheduled and left for the interview, the FBI deliberately ignored a pre-existing request for information about the Crossfire Razor investigation from the acting attorney general. In other words, FBI Director Comey knew that acting attorney general Yates would not approve of the interview of Flynn and deliberately waited to inform her until it was too late to prevent the interview. A knowing willing and deliberate violation of the legal and political chain of command. The FBI agents who actually interviewed General Flynn had the impression that General Flynn was not lying or at least did not think he was lying. Moreover, the statements in question were not, by their nature, easily falsifiable. During his interview with the FBI agents, General Flynn offered either equivocal, I don't know, or indirect responses or stated that he did not remember the matter in question. Considering the vague substance of General Flynn's answers, the FBI's estimation of General Flynn's truthfulness, the inconsistent FBI records as to the actual questions and statements made, FBI Director Comey's own sentiment that the case was, at best, a close one, and the information available to the DOJ and the SCO at the time it chose to file the criminal information indicated that there was not only no probable cause to support their claim that General Flynn knowingly and willingly lied to investigators during the interview, but it wasn't even close. U.S. District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan, however, refused to approve the DOJ's dismissal of its prosecution, necessitating an appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals by General Flynn. The D.C. Circuit initially ordered Judge Sullivan to dismiss the charges and case against General Flynn in its entirety. In response, Judge Sullivan, the supposedly disinterested judge who mused aloud about whether the Department of Justice could charge General Flynn for treason, they could not, and who stated on the record to General Flynn that, quote, arguably you sold your country out, retained counsel, literally becoming an interested party, and petitioned for en banc review from the D.C. Circuit. After en banc review, the D.C. Circuit remanded the case to Judge Sullivan for appropriate dispatch, who continued to drag his feet on the dismissal of the case. On November 25, 2020, after having suffered nearly three years of wrongful prosecution and torment by the U.S. government, General Flynn received a presidential pardon. On December 8, 2020, the criminal case against General Flynn was finally dismissed by Judge Sullivan in its entirety. Judge Sullivan, in his dismissal colloquy, colloquy, could not resist taking a few parting partisan jabs. I don't like that sentence. A few parting partisan jabs at General Flynn, but he ultimately dismissed the entire criminal information filed against General Flynn. General Flynn was the target of a politically motivated FBI investigation and the DOJ and the SCO prosecution that had no merit when it began no merit during its course, and no merit in the end when the charges were withdrawn and dismissed by the DOJ and ultimately dismissed by Judge Sullivan after General Flynn received a full presidential pardon. During that meritless and unlawful FBI investigation and the DOJ and the SCO prosecution, General Flynn was falsely and maliciously painted by the defendant as a traitor to his nation, alleging that he was engaged in illicit actions with a hostile foreign power, 
These malicious allegations were so pervasive and so widely disseminated in the news and in political circles that even the sitting judge regurgitated them at General Flynn's sentencing hearing. Defendants' agents and agencies targeting of a United States citizen for a baseless counterintelligence investigation and criminal prosecution and eliciting a plea bargain through threatening family members is dangerous and outrageous conduct of the highest order. The fact that it was orchestrated and carried out at the highest levels of the FBI, DOJ, SCO, and EOP makes it all the more outrageous. It was done intentionally, purposefully, deliberately, and with the reckless and total disregard for the rights, reputation, and position of General Flynn. The the president's highest-ranking national security advisor, a retired United States Army Lieutenant General, with 30 years of honorable military service to our country and a citizen of the United States, makes defendant defendants, agents, and agencies' conduct despicable, even by partisan Washington standards. Unsurprisingly, General Flynn has suffered greatly from the defendants' agents and agencies' politically driven, personally motivated, baseless, and outrageous investigation and prosecution. This harm is exacerbated by the fact that General Flynn has dedicated his entire adult life to serving the United States through military service and his civilian service as the national security advisor to a president. Betrayal and and persecution he suffered by the country he spent decades defending and serving has caused General Flynn severe emotional distress as it would anyone in his position. Moreover, because of the improper EOP and DOJ-coordinated prosecution, General Flynn lost the once-in-a-lifetime and priceless honor to serve as the highest-ranking national security advisor to a president of the United States. General Flynn was injured in other ways due to vicious false attacks on his character, including but not limited to compensatory and financial damages, including attorney's fees and expenses, court costs and other legal expenses, reputational damages, loss of goodwill, and the loss of earnings and future earnings from his international consulting business. And the loss of earnings and future earnings resulting from being denied the opportunity to serve an entire term as the president's national security advisor. Overall, the harm to General Flynn has been and is immense. As a result of this unjustifiable, outrageous, and malicious prosecution of General Flynn and the abusive process engaged in to carry it out by FBI agents, FBI leadership, Justice Department prosecutors, and the highest-ranking EOP officials in the Obama administration, punitive damages are not only warranted, but essential to deter any present or future FBI, DOJ, SCO, and EOP official from harming anyone else like they harmed General Flynn. Even if punitive damages are not allowed in this case, General Flynn is entitled to be fully compensated for each and every one of his pecuniary and non-pecuniary losses resulting from defendants' malicious and outrageous conduct against him. All right, causes of action. Count one, Federal Tort Claims Act malicious prosecution. Plaintiff incorporates by reference the above paragraphs set forth herein. The Federal Tort Claims Act provides the United States shall be liable respecting the, the provisions of this title related to tort claims. 
Plaintiff has exhausted his administrative remedies under 28 U.S.C. 2675. By letter dated February 24, 2022, plaintiff presented his administrative claim to the DOJ. The DOJ has not responded within the prescribed statutory deadline to General Flynn's Form 95 submission, and therefore, General Flynn's Form 95 is, as of the filing of this complaint, deemed denied. Exhausting General Flynn's administrative remedies and granting him the right to sue in this court. The named wrongdoers defendant is responsible for are investigative or law enforcement agencies or agencies with supervisory authority, whose agents are investigative or law enforcement officers. Defendant maliciously investigated and prosecuted General Flynn by initiating and continuing baseless counterintelligence investigation. <coughs> Pardon me. Defendant's acts were willful, knowing, deliberate, and malicious. As a direct and proximate result of defendant's actions, General Flynn suffered harm. He was falsely branded as a traitor to his country, lost at least tens of millions of dollars of business opportunities and future lifetime earning potential, was maliciously prosecuted and spent substantial monies in his own defense, and has suffered and will continue to suffer mental and emotional pain for the rest of his life, in addition to other harms, and fees, and costs, and losses. Count two, Federal Tort Claims Abuse of Process. Plaintiff incorporates by reference the named wrongdoers. Defendant attempted to utilize their ability to bring process against General Flynn's son to coerce General Flynn into pleading guilty to a Section 1001 charge. Defendants further sought to use process against General Flynn to coerce General Flynn into testifying against other members of the Trump administration or Trump campaign, including President Trump, despite the process brought having no legitimate basis in law or fact. As a direct and proximate result of defendants' actions, Flynn suffered harm. He was falsely branded as a traitor to his country, lost at least tens of millions of dollars of business opportunities and future lifetime potential, earning potential, maliciously prosecuted and spent substantial monies. Prayer for relief. Plaintiff respectfully request this court enter a judgment in his favor and grant relief against the defendant as follows. A. Compensatory damages in an amount to be determined at trial, but expected to exceed $50 million. Pursuant to plaintiff's claims against defendant United States of America. Reasonable attorney's fees with respect to all of plaintiff's causes and actions against the defendant and any other relief the court deems proper. Dated March 3rd, 2023, Michael T. Flynn and counsel. The counsel is Sean Flynn and Jason Greaves, Jared Roberts, Matthew Dummermuth of the Banal Law Group. Okay. Yeah, Brian, I got to agree with that. Um, Brian says in chat, DOJ knows they cannot defend what Crossfire Hurricane and the Mueller team did to Flynn. So they got to settle this. Um, you would think you think they would. You would think they would. Um, all right, my general comments on this. And thank you, everybody who listened to me read it, who watched and listened to me read it. Um <coughs> One, it's it's well written. Good. Good stuff. Like 
it's a good, it's a good filing. I like it. Um, good stuff. And thank you, JB Raw, uh, for the uh, Rumble rant. Thank you very much for the coffee money. Much appreciated. Um, I like, I liked this. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it, I thought it told <laughs> Snarky Des. You're being funny. I thought it told the story well. Um, it did a, it did a good job. It did a good job. And, uh, I like it. Um, good filing as far. I mean, like I'm an expert, <laughs> but I have read a few of these and I thought this was a good one. Um, makes sense to me that they don't even want they I can't even believe they would want to, uh, fight this. I would think they would, they would just want to settle it and make it go away. Here, here's the link to the docket. Um, I saw someone ask for the link. There's the link to the docket. This is the main document right here. And then here are the attachments underneath it. Um, there hasn't been a response from DOJ yet. Um, I got to say that as I've, as I was reading it about halfway through, I was like, man, I want a new Durham indictment. <laughs> like halfway reading it, I was just like, man, I really want a new Durham indictment to read. Um, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome if we got one this week? Oh, fingers crossed. Candles lit. Um, I would love it if DOJ didn't settle this and instead tried to fight it. And we got more filings and we got a back and forth that could possibly provide us with some more details that maybe we haven't gotten before. Um, Cause that would be a lot of fun. And there's a part of me that thinks that's actually possible because um, there might be some stuff that needs to come out. And uh, this would be a way to get it out. But what makes the most sense is that DOJ having already admitted they shouldn't have ever brought the case. It had no basis. Um, that, I mean, it, I mean, I just think that they would settle this and try and make it go away as quickly as possible. Um, and hope, I mean, uh, for general Flynn's sake, hopefully that happens and general Flynn is compensated for all that he's been through. Um, Yeah. Uh, but like I said at the beginning of this show, I, you know, I just got, I just got this, this hypothesis, this theory that part of the irregular warfare that is going on here with Trump and team is to fight these law, these lawfare battles fight these legal battles in order to get more and more evidence, to get more and more discovery, to get more admissions, to get just, I, I, and some of this stuff, like, like this isn't like Trump's civil Rico, but I think these actions are, I think these actions are taken, um, for purposes beyond what they are plainly described as, let's say. And uh, especially Trump's civil Rico. So 
this isn't like that, but um I do want I do want I do I do very much want Flynn to uh be compensated and it makes the most sense that DOJ would just be like let's settle this and get let's let's settle this make it go away. Um Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, I need to Do I have a I need to check I need to check, I think I have alerts turned on for this. Let me uh I need to sign in and make sure I do. I'm pretty sure I do. But um let me sign in real quick while I don't have it on screen. Okay. And then super professional of me to do this live now that I'm thinking about it. But, you know, y'all come to this show for my professionalism, I'm sure. Yeah, I got alerts turned on for it. Of course I do. I'm super pro. There we go. Okay. Um, Frankie Wheelhouse. God bless you, man. Thank you so thank you so much for uh that coffee money. You just bought me several bags of coffee. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to read it. I enjoyed reading it. Um, thank you so much. So uh interesting question I I noticed come up. Let me move the screen over so I'm not constantly looking to my left. Um where where'd it go? Where'd it go? There was a good question of me. HQ Lion, hello. They say, Kyle, has your mind changed or questioned about any of the players after this filing? Um, no, not changed. Not changed. Um, there was one section I found really interesting. Um, and I'll have to go back and find it. Um, but no, I, it didn't change any of my my mind on any of the players. Some of them, it made me, it made me consider a couple things, but, uh, um, no, I continue. Like I said this earlier on true social. Um, I said it earlier on true social when someone brought something up to me and I said that I, I'm prepared to be wrong, to be both right and wrong about, various events and especially people. And I'm okay with that. Um, hundred percent. I'm okay with that. Um, I have my own ideas about certain people and players and who they're working for and who's involved in kayfabe, who is as portrayed and who is not as portrayed. Um, I have noticed that with Trump, it seems like the people he bashes the most tend to be tend to actually turn out to be good or at least useful. So I do keep that in mind and, you know, I make the case for certain people and I've gone over them on my show, but um, here and there, but I find it, I, I'm not, I'm a, I have my own ideas and opinions about people and events, but I'm not so attached to them that, um, a filing like this is going to undo that. I mean, I'm not so attached to them that I'm going to be upset if I'm wrong about them and a filing like this, this complaint 
and didn't actually change my mind about anybody. Um, there was a section around like the hundred paragraph section that I found that I found interesting, but, um, especially when it comes, another thing is, especially when it comes to counter Intel people, like you're dealing, like you're dealing with this in counter Intel of like Flynn being Intel and struck being counter Intel and a number of other people who are in this Intel world, spy V spy and, very few of those people do I hold concrete opinions of <laughs> Flynn being one of them. Um, I have a concrete unshakable opinion of Flynn as a Patriot and a hero. And there's not really anything that could change that. Um, but everybody else, I don't see meant those things too strongly because they are in that Intel spy V spy world. Um, you just, you just don't know. Um, everybody wants me. Yeah, that's right. Any American, everybody wants me to, uh, to change my mind about Comey. Um, I find that, I find that difficult to do. I, I really do guys. I find that difficult to do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Maybe if I did start changing my mind on him, I wouldn't tell y'all because it's so much fun how it triggers people. Uh, <laughs> anyway. All right, folks, that is, that is my reading of this, uh, this Flynn complaint. Um, and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for being here. You think, thank you for being here and listen to me read it. Um, one last thing before I go, I mentioned earlier in the, sh I, I mentioned in this, this morning show that, and I have it right here. Um, I mentioned Huddleston versus FBI. This is the one where they're suing about, um, to get in, to get access to FBI's files on Seth, Seth Rich. Um, so I, I think I mentioned I might go into it. Uh, I took some time this afternoon to read some of the most recent filings and there's a lot here, but um, there's a lot here, but what's going on this, there was a filing later after my show that is this one right here, which is a order and memorandum. It's an opinion where they're like the judge made an, made an order and he denied the plaintiff's motion. Brian Huddleston denied his motion without prejudice for the, um, for cost. And, um, now not everything that's been recently filed has been responded to, but this was an order that came down, came down from the judge today where he told Huddleston, look, I'm not going to comp compensate you for your expenses yet. Um, the case isn't over. There's a, there's a precedent for me to, uh, compensate you once the case is over, once the, once everything's complete, um, then you can, there, you can get compensation, but you're still in the middle of it. It's ongoing in this circuit, this is filed in. There isn't a precedent I can rely on to award you expenses in the interim. So not the most exciting filing. I did see that the amount of money he was asking for or what he stated his expenses were at this point after three years, I believe, of suing for this stuff, for these FOIA 
um, returns is like $100,000. It was just over $100,000. It's in here somewhere. There it is, $115,000. So, wow. That's a lot of money to be spending on all these on fees and costs and lawyers trying to get access to all these Seth rich documents. So I got to say, shout out to Brian Huddleston. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Okay. Um, got that. All right. Y'all are asking me to answer a question. Hold on just a moment. Please answer JB's question. Okay, hold up, hold up. Let me find JB's question. Hold up. Yeah, Bertorgo. Um, yep. I noticed the same thing. Um, she wanted to inform Trump's team. And that that whole argument was interesting. Um, JB Rao, am I wrong or is cash his official people basher? Hmm. I swear cash comes out every time he needs somebody undercover. Hmm. Um, is cash his official people basher. Okay. Thank you for the rants asking me to <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the, the rants asking me to answer that. Um, I don't know. I see why I see why you think that. Um, I want to say I really like Cash Patel. Like I got nothing against Cash Patel at all. Like him a lot. I have noticed that recently, um, in the lead up to his book that's coming out, Government Gangsters, uh, that's that's how Cash has been. I would, yeah, he's kind of been the the people basher, and has been bashing everybody who was in DOJ and FBI. Like he's just relentless. Um. And I really, I, my read on that is it's a promotion of his book and that's, that's the angle he's going for right now in the lead up to his book being released. I think, um, I think in April, yeah, I know you're not bashing cash, um, but I'm prefacing it that way because I don't want to make it sound like I think he's disingenuous. Um, but I think that he's been, he's been engaging in that more and more and more leading up to release of his government gangster book. So um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's disingenuous at all, but I just think that that's the, that's where he's at is that he's, that's his frame. That's his track that he's on right now uh, because he's got that book coming out. But if that continues after that, I mean, maybe like that's, it's kind of interesting. I do know that cash has been Trump's uh, you know, like, representative to to nara in regards to his files that he had at mar-a-lago so they are i mean they do work together on some things it would it's kind of interesting to think i had never thought about that that maybe cash is fulfilling this bashing role as a like a mouthpiece kind of thing for trump um i don't know interesting though 
Um, Brian asked, is that an F1 model car behind you over there to the left? Yes, it is. Yes, that is my McLaren um, that I got for my birthday last year. That's my McLaren F1. It's a, I like it a lot. It was a lot of fun to build. And uh, the suspension on it, it, I mean, I'm not going to say the suspension is exactly like an F1 car, but the suspension works fairly similarly. It's interesting. It's pretty cool. It's not exactly pull rod or push rod, which that would be fantastic, but um, it's pretty cool. It's a great model. Karma, I watched... I watched Trump CPAC stuff, but I didn't watch anybody else's. I didn't pay much attention to CPAC. I just, I just caught what Trump had to say. Yeah. So good stuff, guys. All right. I appreciate you. Uh, being here for this, I need to run because I still have some stuff to do for uh, a little bit of work later tonight. Um, well, it already is tonight. It's almost midnight. So I got a little bit of work to do before I go to bed. So um, appreciate y'all. Thank you very much for being here. And um, I don't even have my exit song ready because I'm a pro like that. Hold on just a moment. Get my exit music ready. And if you like this and think someone else would enjoy it, then uh, please share it. I'm not going to clip this one because the only thing I've been doing is this one thing. So, but I did make some clips from this morning show. If you're interested in those, they're over on my clips channel here on rumble. So God bless each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful evening and a great Tuesday. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. I'll see y'all Wednesday morning.